Thursday, May 5th, 2021. Today, from our news team, a Joker sequel teased by Warner Bros., Sony stealing a partnership out from under Microsoft, and Amazon is responsible for sellers on their website. This is the Culture Jack News Desk. This is the Culture Jack News Desk, your source for stolen information, hot takes, and your weekly news. I'm your host, Archimedes Abigail. And before we get into the news, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. This is one of five regularly scheduled shows that we host every week. Starting your week off on the right foot, we have Monday Madness with Anthony. On Thursday, we'll meet back here for the news desk. On Friday, Dustin hosts the Friday show. Tune in Saturday then for on today's episode, and then round out your weekend with the Weekend Wire. With all of that being said, let's take a peek at the news. In a movie news from comicbookmovie.com, uh, the Ironheart series that's going to be coming out on Disney Plus is going to get the uh, the writer from uh, Snowpiercer. Uh, Chinaka Hodge as head writer. Um, so Hodge is a staff writer on TNT's Snowpiercer series, which was recently renewed for season three and also contributed to Apple TV Pluses. That's a weird that's a weird way to say that thing. Amazing stories. In addition to being a full time screenwriter, she's also a poet, a playwright and an educator. She has published two books of poetry to date uh, for girls with hips, collected poems and writings and dated MCs. Well, her plays include Chasing Mercil and Mirrors in Every Corner. Uh, in another um, piece of movie news, and kind of um, from the grave, and almost appropriately, The Twilight of the Dead, it's George A. Romero's final zombie movie, is officially moving forward. Um so uh, George Romero, he passed away in 2017, but his wife, Suzanne Romero, has completed his script for The Twilight of the Dead, and a movie is now in the works. And so, again, from comicbookmovie.com, um, he passed in 2017 after uh, a long battle with lung cancer, but he had been working on the script for what would have been the conclusion that began in 1968 with Night of the Living Dead. Now, THR reports that Twilight of the Dead is officially in the works. Uh, So, like I said, his widow, uh, Suzanne, uh, she's been developing the script with screenwriters uh, Joe Netter, Robert L. Lucas, and Paolo Zelotti. Uh, And they worked on the original treatment with Romero uh, prior to his death. So, Suzanne Romero says, I gave Zelotti my full blessing. As long as I could be there every step of the way for it to remain true to George's vision. We had a solid treatment and the beginning of the script. I I can 100% say that George would be incredibly happy to see this continue. He wanted uh, this to be his final stamp on the zombie genre. Uh, so he, he was in charge of 2007's diary of the dead, 2009 survival of the dead. Um, but he never considered them to be part of the same overarching story that began with night. So Twilight is 
set to pick up after the event of 2005's Land of the Dead. Uh, Zelotti, the other screenwriter, he says, now, it's no secret that Diary and Survival were not the way he envisioned the series ending, and, and George knew it very well. Twilight of the Dead was his goodbye to the genre. He created and wanted to go out with a powerful film. I think it's very interesting. It's very cool and neat that uh, uh, this man's work, something that he was passionate about, something that was his brainchild, his vision come to life could then be continued and finished after he passes. I think it's an incredibly romantic idea and uh, Suzanne my hats off to you because that is uh, that's amazing to see his work completed uh, Morbius that uh, vampire vampire movie the Marvel movie starring Jared Leto is going to be moved back a week because it's now being set for uh, IMAX release and so after a series of delays through through last year doing due to the the pandemic, Sony Pictures has decided to move back Daniel Espinosa's Morbius one week uh, from January 21st to now January 28th, 2022. However, unlike the, the previous postponements, this time it is because it has officially been confirmed for an IMAX release, which should make a notable difference at the global box office come next January. Uh, if you guys didn't see it, Marvel just put out a trailer that pretty much announced the phase four block and maybe even a little bit beyond that. Cause I remember when uh, Feige was talking about phase four before he was uh, very hesitant to put a lot of things on the phase four plate. So this may be phase four, phase five stuff. Um, but it included some new shots from the Eternals. Actually our first look at the Eternals, some new shots from black widow, um, and then a bunch of title splash screens. And so uh, every phase four movie, um, including like this article says, Black Panther Wakanda forever. So Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings um, and Eternals and Spider-Man No Way Home are all coming out this year. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home has got a date of the 7th of December. And then in 2022, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be released on March 25th, 2022. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder on May the 6th. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever on uh, July 8th. And the Marvels, which we're assuming is a Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Photon joint production. These are going to be the heroes that are in it. Uh, will be on November 11th, 2022. Then in 2023, there are two films announced so far, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, on February 17th of 2023, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on, what is that, May 5th, 2023. So a, a big slate of Marvel movies coming out. And this is a dramatic a dramatic contrast to what we've had over the last year, year and a half, because Black Widow was the first one to be pushed back, and then the Eternals was the was next to be pushed back. And so we just had, you know, nothing until, of course, we got WandaVision this January, and then more more recently the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and at the end of it, it was bringing up these splash cards one by one by one. Um, 
there was a Marvel logo, I believe, and then behind it, a big giant four. Uh, two T's, of course, the Fantastic Four, which I saw a meme online that said it, it, they've they've fooled us all. It wasn't a tease for Fantastic Four. It was a tease for the upcoming Captain America Four, which that's not true. Let's let's face it. It was the Fantastic Four, even though Captain America Four is going uh, to be amazing. Now, this is just the movies. All of those ones that I just just said, it has no mention of the shows, though there are a lot of those on the way as well. Of course, after Loki, we've got Hawkeye, we've got Armor Wars, we've got Secret Invasion. What else do we have? Shoot, there's... um, Who else is getting their own show? Miss Marvel's getting her own show. Of course, then there's She-Hulk, where there are rumors that Mark Ruffalo is going to appear in that, that Charlie Cox's Daredevil is going to appear in that. So... Over the course of the next two years, we are going to have an incredible amount of movies being released. Actually, almost exactly two years, uh, no, exactly two years from yesterday, um, the fifth will be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Anyway, there was another uh, trailer for Loki, uh, so... Easter egg hunters. Now I, I, I considered breaking down the trailer and going, okay, here's this Easter egg and this Easter egg. However, if I started to do that for every trailer that came out, I I did watch the trailer and it just built up my hype even more for Loki. I think the banter between Mobius and Loki, uh, Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston is going to be fantastic. It's going to be bombastic. Um, so I'm very hyped for that that show as well. Uh, Netflix also put out a trailer. Uh, it's the Netflix summer movie preview, and so it had a few different a few different movies and series that are going to be on Netflix coming this summer. Uh, and I don't have specific dates for all of these, but uh, some of the some of the ones featured were the Kissing Booth number three, apparently part of a series that isn't one squarely in the superhero fantastic purview of this podcast and more specifically of this show, uh, troll hunters, the rise of Titans. I guess this is a, a culmination event of uh, Guillermo del, del Toro. He did a series called, uh, troll hunters. And then there were like, there were two more. I think there was one with, Wizards and Witches and ones with aliens, I think, and they're all coming together in this this kind of culminating event. And so that's going to be cool. I actually, I've got a lot to catch up on on those shows, but they're very good. They're animated. Um, Army of the Dead, of course, with Dave, Dave Batista, Zack Snyder, um, The Woman in the Window, good on paper. The Mitchells versus The Machines. Now, in this preview, I thought this was another show that was going to be coming out of Love, Death, and Robots, but (laughs) there was a very funny part where these robots, they looked like they had this guy captured, and they said, now we're going to turn off the Wi-Fi, and there were just people running amok on the streets because they couldn't connect to their phones or their laptops, and this woman is screaming. She's in tears. She's got a plate of food out in front of her, and she's like, who will take a picture of my meal? It was very, very funny. So uh, I don't know what that one's all about, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, America, uh, the motion picture, which is a new animated film. And 
it has an incredibly star-studded cast. Um, Channing Tatum, uh, Jason Mantezuka, Olivia Munn, Bobby Mahoyan, uh, Judy, Ge- Judy Greer, Will Forte, Raul Max Trujillo, uh, Killer Mike, Simon Pegg, and Andy Samberg. So it's got, it's pretty star-studded. Apparently there's a Jason Momoa film coming out on Netflix called Sweet Girl, and one with Jean-Claude Van, Van Damme, The Last Mercenary. So big things to look forward to on Netflix. Most likely there is something to satiate um, whoever's taste. A uh, official trailer and release date for uh, Castlevania uh, season four. Shoot, I did not write down the release date. You'll have to give me just one moment where I look up Castlevania season four release date. And that's coming out on May 13th. So look forward to that next week. But it looks bloody and brutal. And I have the same problem with Castlevania that I do with Invincible. And it's very obvious in Castlevania where they have spent their animation budget. And there's a lot of scenes of very slow, very janky animation. And then there are incredible fight scenes that are very well choreographed, very unique. It's like the gears were turning extra hard to make it, make it as so uh, we're seeing things that we haven't seen before in animation or in movies in general. So the shoot, I don't even know if I've seen the third season. I know I've seen the first two at the very least, but Castlevania is a very good show on Netflix as well. Uh, House of the Dragon Uh, HBO's Game of Thrones prequel is uh, officially entering production. It's being developed as a 10-episode first season, co-created with George R.R. Martin and Ryan Condal of Colony fame. Uh, Condal also wrote the script with Sarah Lee Hess, and uh, he'll serve as a a (laughs) co-showrunner. Man, I really really just shit the bed on that one, didn't I? He'll serve as a co-showrunner alongside uh, Miguel Sapochnik, uh, and the latter will direct the pilot and additional episodes, and that is set for a 2022 premiere. All right, from Screen Rant, they, you know, they, they put out this list, and it's not an original article. Well, I mean, I guess it is an original article, but it's not um, like breaking news. They just said... Every sci-fi movie and TV show streaming in May 2021. Now, whenever I find a, a list like this on one of these websites, whenever I find a, look, these are all of the things you need to be watching or playing, I always approach these lists with some degree of trepidation and hesitation because they're not ever complete lists. They're like five to ten bullet points of things that they think you need to be watching. But I wrote down what they said regardless to just kind of convey some cool things that are out there and then maybe uh, give you my opinion on whether they need to be watched or not. And so uh, Tenet is now streaming on HBO Max. Star Wars, The Bad Batch, is now on Disney+. And I didn't do my research. Welcome to the, <laughs> the Culture Jack News Desk. I don't know if that one is streaming weekly or if it is a, a bulk batch. A bulk batch of The Bad Batch. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy uh, is coming out tomorrow on May 7th on Netflix. This is another superhero show. This is going to be one that I'm going to check out and check back in with you next week. Um, 
Oxygen, May 12th on Netflix. And then here it is, Love, Death, and Robots on May 14th on Netflix. So what is that? That's next Friday? Yeah, next Friday. Uh, we'll be watching Love, Death, and Robots. I'm very excited about that. Uh, Army of, of the Dead on May 21st on Netflix. Then Modoc, another Marvel property, on May 21st on Hulu. That's the Patton Oswalt um, animated series about Modoc. Yes, he's running AIM, the evil organization, but he's also trying to be a family man. He's trying to do the things that a good father and husband should do. And then we've got uh, Eden on May 27th on Netflix. Apparently, it's like an anime about some robots raising a child in a world that is very empty of humans. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, from Variety... Netflix will actually release Zack Snyder's zombie thriller Army of the Dead in a lot of movie theaters. Uh, so this article says that the streaming services upcoming zombie thriller Army of the Dead will play exclusively in cinemas starting on May 14th for one week prior to it being on Netflix on May 21st. So Cinemark, uh, it says notably Cinemark, one of the, the country's biggest theater chains, has agreed to screen the movie. It's booked at 200 Cinemark locations, making Army of the Dead the first Netflix film to score a wide release at a major theater chain. The movie will play at roughly 600 theaters in total, including uh, IPIC, Landmark, Alamo Drafthouse, Harkins, and Sinopolis. Other major circuits, specifically AMC and Regal, will not be offering the film. Now, I think this is really cool for a couple reasons, because first, theaters have historically been very hesitant to showcase the movies, the films, the series that are on the streaming service in a physical brick and mortar theater location. And they they do that, of course, be, I, I guess to undermine the legitimacy of of a Netflix, of a Hulu or an Amazon Prime. But it's it's super cool because some of these films are I mean the production value of them is as high or higher than some of the schlock that were served up in the theaters. And so it's great to see that as movie theaters come back and are desperate for um for products to show off for people to come back and have a movie experience that they are being allowed to at least come into some of these theaters. And it's a shame that AMC and Regal are not offering that film, but perhaps they will offer other films uh, as, as this becomes maybe a more popularized uh, method to releasing movies into, into theaters as well as streaming, especially because of the way AMC and Regal and theater chains have suffered throughout this pandemic. <clears throat> the Flash stars Carlos Valdez and Tom Cavanaugh are leaving the show after season seven. Uh, in a statement, executive producer and showrunner Eric Wallace said he is keeping the door open for both actors to return as guest stars. Uh, he said, quote, Tom and Carlos have been an integral part of our show for seven seasons. I will be greatly missed, Wallace said. <laughs> Wallace said, Both are incredible talents who created beloved.
characters that fans and audiences around the world have come to love, which is why we are happily keeping the door open for return appearances. And both of these, both of these characters that uh, that these actors played were incredible on the show, very integral. I know I've been out of the Flash for probably probably three or four seasons now. I haven't watched it for a while. I mean, there's just too much. I, I can't make time for the high-quality shows on Disney+, Plus and then suffer through CW garbage. <laughs> it's not garbage. It's not garbage, but it's not... Like, there's so much better stuff out there. The Boys and Invincible and probably Jupiter's Legacy. I don't know. We'll see about that. I'll give it a couple episodes. Sure, why not? Uh, Joker... It seems Warner Bros. is planning to move forward with a sequel after all. And so this is the Todd Phillips Joker. Uh, and, and Todd Phillips himself has debunked the claim that there would be a sequel. But in THR's report on the new Superman project, it's pointed out that the Flash's multiverse will allow for various different characters and realities to coexist. And, and that all upcoming DC-based projects, quote, with the exception of Matt Reeves' The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, and set for release in March, HBO Max's spinoff, Gotham PD, and Joker, and its planned sequel, will take place in the same universe. So all but confirming that there is at least um, the uh, mulling over of making a sequel to that hit film. Now, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, man, would I like to see a Joker 2? I mean, the first one was very good. It was very violent. It was very violent, um, but it was very good. I don't know. I The way that it ended, it ended in such a way, no spoilers here, don't worry, I'm not going to do that to you, but it ended in a way that lent it a, a great deal of closure. Like, this was this character's journey, and this is where it came to the end. The rest, I love to just have rampant uh, speculation, rumor, theorizing, that sort of stuff. It's great for fan theories. Uh, What I I think I might like to see instead of a Joker sequel, and I didn't think I'd want the Joker movie to begin with. I wanted everything to be interconnected. I wanted a a DC version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, what I think I'd like to see instead of a Joker sequel would be if we did something like, <laughs> I say we, like I'm on the board of directors over at Warner Bros. If they did something like a Mr. Freeze one-off, like they did the Joker, maybe a darker version, maybe a little more gritty and grounded, but a Mr. Freeze or a, who else, Two-Face, Scarecrow, any of these iconic characters if they did a, a, a single-use villain type format and just had a bunch of these. Now, I agree that <laughs> it's cool to think that The Flash is going to start opening up the multiverse in the DC universe. And so even if these were single, one-off shows, there exists a movie future and a franchise future that allows us to have uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker come into a Ben Affleck's Batman or come into a um, Ezra Miller's Flash 
and a cross connection that you don't have to build these strong threads to, but can simply open a portal and have that characterization walk through it. I think that I think that would be much preferred over a Joker sequel, although I'll take a Joker sequel as well. But that is it for movie news. All right, in gaming news, and before I go on, uh, I've got to say I did a little trim on the old facial hair, and I've got this mustache. Now, the mustache I've had for a little bit, so if you haven't noticed it and you haven't enjoyed it, well, you are late. You were late like certain cryptocurrencies if you were to get in. Um, But my mustache is very pronounced now, and I have just purchased for the first time a mustache wax. It's in the mail. It's coming. I'm going to be able to shape this bad boy. I don't know about the world that I'm getting into. Is there uh, mustache conventions that I have to go to now? Is there... Is there requisite competitions that I have to take part of? And because I have uh, a wonderful, glorious little handlebar mustache now, you don't want this. You don't want this is not the mustache recap. This is some gaming news. And so in gaming news from Screen Rant, uh, Halo Infinite developer teases glorious plans and gameplay for summer 2021. In uh, a new Halo Waypoint post, 343 uh, confirmed new plans for Halo Infinite gameplay at some summer gaming events, likely E3 in uh, in June. No exact details were given beyond this, but Halo Infinite updates have been in abundance since the, uh, the start of 2021. 343 Industries has been releasing tons of screenshots, sound bites, and more to stay absolutely transparent about the game's development and keep fans hooked until it is ready to show again. Ah, uh, so from 343, quote, uh, well, I hope you enjoyed this month's thousand word screenshots. We know that game videos are worth at least 10,000 words. And the great news is that summer, i.e. game industry event season, is just around the corner. And there are glorious plans afoot. Now, if you remember back in Shoot, I must have been October, November when they released the first video gameplay of Halo. There was a widespread backlash among the audience about this not meeting the standards of a next gen console release uh, title that they thought it should meet. And by they, I mean the fans, of course. And so it'll be interesting to see how far they've come from. And like we've said on the podcast before, we are an Xbox family over here, so it um, would be really nice to have some good Xbox exclusives. <laughs> Speaking of Xbox, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate might offer Spotify Plus for free. Apparently, this was an offer that went on with um, Xbox before, where Spotify was included. Whether it was a part of Gold or part of Game Pass, I'm not sure. But according to Gaming Route, Twitter data miner... Adjora Nementi Lumia posted a leaked image that seems to promote a free offer of Spotify Premium for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Um, so strictly in the category of rumors, but we'll see if it comes to pass. Uh, from thegamer.com, the PlayStation 4 has now sold more games than any console ever, surpassing even the PlayStation 2. 
Uh, Sony has published its report for the last financial year, and it's pretty much all positive for PlayStation. It has sold 7.8 million PlayStation 5s so far. I don't know what the Xbox is at. And if the Xbox is anything like the last generation of Xbox, they will not have released sales numbers. They will release goofy things like... Uh, it's been 40 million achievements unlocked and it's been, uh, 300 million left turns made by characters in our games and stuff like that. Uh, it achieved its goal of outdoing what the PlayStation four managed to sell during its first fiscal year. It wasn't all bad news for the PlayStation four though, because not only did it take its lifetime sales up to 115.9 million, but also surpassed a long-held PlayStation 2 record, and a very significant record at that. For almost two decades, the PlayStation 2 held the record of most video games sold for the PlayStation console uh, ever. What is going on here? My notes are getting all screwed up. That's fine. Who needs notes? I'll wing it. I've memorized all of my news stories. Uh, despite selling 40 million fewer consoles to date, that record now belongs to the PlayStation 4 at 1.577 billion PlayStation 4 games have been sold since the console launched in 2013. PlayStation 2 managed to sell 1.537 billion titles during its run. All right. Let's see if I can get through this here. This mess. So Konami uh, said that they're pulling out of E3. Uh, they said that they've got stuff that they're gearing up for, but it's not ready yet. And so they don't have anything to show. Uh, they made a tweet. He said, due, due to timing, we will not be ready to present at E3 this year. We want to reassure our fans that we are in deep development on a number of key projects. So please stay tuned for some updates in the coming months. Well, we are not participating this year. We have a great respect for the ESA and know that 2021 will be a great success. We will continue to support the ESA and wish the best to all the participants. So nice little, nice little note there. Now, Konami, the Culture Jacked podcast, and I speak for myself, Dustin and Anthony, when I say this with absolute resolution in my voice and conviction in my eyes, that Konami can eat my shorts because of the things they did to Hideo Kojima. God, I hope that was Konami. <laughs> if it wasn't egg on my face, I'll eat a little little crow, I suppose. In uh, other gaming news, CD Projekt Red board members reportedly are receiving millions of dollars in bonuses. And this might surprise some people because of the <laughs> all of the controversy surrounding CD Projekt Red uh, Cyberpunk 2077 game. Uh, despite the game's backhanded launch and underperforming sales, CD Projekt Red board members are set to receive bonuses upward of $6 million as $28 million has been set aside for five of them. Um, meanwhile, just $29 million is being put aside for 865 employees, with some alleging that they had Payouts that range from five thousand to twenty thousand dollars. That's honestly still better 
than any bonuses that I've gotten in the past decade. Uh, reportedly, they would have had larger bonuses if not for Cyberpunk 2077's buggy launch, despite this being something forced upon them by management after several delays. Uh, the developers were very much against the game releasing when it did, uh, attempting to convince, ma convince management that, in actuality, Cyberpunk 2077 wasn't ready for shipping. In spite of this, the game released, and it was clearly not ready to do so with the game-breaking bugs aplenty. This rocky launch was so bad that the title got pulled from the PlayStation Store. Yet, well, this is not the fault of the developers. They are taking the brunt of the punishment. Um, you know, it's your classic CEOs doing it what CEOs will do, and um, giving themselves a good big pat on the back. I can't remember. I don't think it's in this in this news story. Maybe it was in the last one. But even despite the fact that uh, CD Projekt Red had such backlash to Cyberpunk, reportedly there were only like thirty thousand refunds that were issued directly from Cyberpunk to users. Um, that's not counting the PlayStation refunds. That's not counting the Xbox refunds. And the game, it it had like, oh, shoot, what was it? Maybe 16 million sales or something? 13 million sales? 13 million copies? Like, it sold a lot of damn copies. And the amounts that were refunded or returned was very minimal. So, if you look at it from the, the uh, ledger book of a CEO or a CFO, well, it's not that bad of a loss. It's not that bad of a thing. And I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about yeah, CD Projekt Red probably did not feel the brunt of the backlash, at least monetarily, this time around, but may feel it in their next game. The next game where the users go, okay, maybe I won't pre-order this one, maybe I won't get it on launch, because I know it's going to have some Bethesda-level bugs in it, and I want to make sure I get a good game. And so they may feel it in their pocketbook next time, but maybe didn't necessarily feel the repercussions of it uh, this time. All right. We've got Epic and Apple. They're in the courtroom. Uh, but at the same time that that's going on, uh, from The Verge, Valve is getting sued over Steam as well. So it, just to, to, to fill you in, to remind you that basically Epic Games said that every transaction that they do, Apple takes 30% cut from it and because Apple is the only game in town that's a monopoly they cannot put their game anywhere else and make up for that loss and it's it's funny too because we just announced last week in the news that there were uh, several platforms that were moving to instead of a 70-30 split it was going to be like a 82-18 split uh, benefiting the developer more so you already see changes within the, within the industry, and I don't know if that is specifically because of this lawsuit, but it could be an underlying condition. So um, there is another uh, publisher. Who is it? It's against Valve, against Steam. Uh, oh, it's a Humble Bundle creator, Wolf Fire Games. Uh, and they said in their lawsuit, quote, Valve abuses its market power to ensure game publishers have no choice but to sell most of their games through the Steam Store. 
uh, where they are subject to Valve's 30% toll. Uh, Wolfire claims that Valve now controls approximately 75% of the entire PC gaming market, reaping an estimated $6 billion in annual revenue as a result from that 30% fee alone. Uh, over $15 million per year per Valve employee, assuming the company still has somewhere in the vicinity of 360 employees that it confirmed to having um, five years ago. Uh, let's see, in other gaming news, Fall Guys on Switch and Xbox has been delayed, but there has been no word on a new release date, which is a shame because I love that game. I have it on the PlayStation, um, but I could sure use it on the Xbox because that's where all my homies are at. Uh, they said, <clears throat> quote, well, we want to launch the on these platforms as quickly as possible. We we believe the Switch and Xbox releases are really going to be worth waiting for, and we are super grateful for your patience. Mediatonic wrote in a post on the Fall Guys website. And this delay gives our team some time to add features like crossplay, so when we add new platforms, players will be able to to stumble in harmony with their pals, regardless of their platform choice. Um, so yeah, I want to play with my pals. <laughs> I am sorry to a media tonic for that voice that I gave you. I apologize. That was not fair. Uh, in other news from TechCrunch, Sony announces investment and partnership with discord to bring the chat app to PlayStation. Now this is big news. We had reported earlier that there, there were rumors swirling about that Microsoft was going to make a deal with discord. So this out of the blue, seems like Sony maybe undercut Microsoft or snuck that deal and made a partnership with Discord instead. Uh, so from the article from TechCrunch, Sony and Discord have announced a partnership that will integrate the latter's popular gaming-focused chat app with PlayStation's own built-in social tools. It's a big move and a fairly surprising one, given at how recently acquisition talks were in the air. Now, the exact nature of the partnership is not expressed in the brief announcement. Um, the, the closest we come to hearing what will happen is that the two companies plan to bring the Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year, which is at least easy enough to imagine. The timeline of early 2022 also suggests that this is a major product change, uh, probably coinciding with a big platform update on Sony's long-term PlayStation 5 roadmap. So this could be huge news for Sony. And I know that Discord, though I have not used it in great uh, success myself, I know that Discord is a very popular chat app. And so it's funny to see Microsoft buying up all of these developers and studios to put under their umbrella for exclusives. Well, PlayStation already has a good deal of exclusives. And so them making partnerships to improve their technology, which seems to be lagging behind Microsoft a little bit on that front. And so it's it's cool to see these two companies shoring up their weaknesses in order uh, to improve the performance of their machines. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah, my my uh, my stuff got all messed up here. I'm going to do I will do my best. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that's all we have for gaming news. 
all right. And then in our sometimes on and off again segment of the show, we have other tech news that's going on. Uh, the first bit is um, from The Verge. California appeals uh, and a California appeals court finds Amazon responsible for third party sellers products. And I think this was brought on. There was a lawsuit by a gal who she bought a hoverboard that set on fire or something along those lines. And then the court case said, no, Amazon, you are actually at fault uh, because there is a direct link or a direct um, uh, supply chain going back directly to you, basically. Um, so it, it's interesting because I don't know if this is going to have any immediate ramifications for the company, for the way that they do business or the way that they sell products from third party sellers on their website. However, if it is not appealed further, if it does not make changes there, this could have implications and set precedent for other online marketplaces where there is trading that is done on the service, but how could it be that um, the service is then held liable for a third party trading or selling items in their marketplace? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see and interesting to watch. And so we'll continue to keep an eye on it here on the Culture Jack News Desk. Um, President of Elon Musk's Neuralink venture tweets that he has left the company. Uh, so again, from The Verge, uh, that's Neuralink President Max Hodak tweeted on Saturday that he has left the company that he co-founded with Musk. Um, he didn't elaborate on why he left. Uh, he only said, I am no longer at Neuralink as of a few weeks ago. Uh, he, he tweeted that I learned a ton there and I remain a huge cheerleader for the company. Um, yeah, Neuralink is very interesting because Neuralink is supposed to be a wired brain implant that you can get through a small surgical incision in the, in the skull that is supposed to help reinforce those neural pathways and connections in your brain to at first, from what I've listened to Musk talk about it, will help with things like uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and dementia, and then maybe later even improve cognitive function, and then maybe even later yet develop psychic or telepathic abilities with others that have... Um, that have a little bit of a neural link in them as well. So I, I, don't, I don't know why he went. Uh, maybe there will be more information on that later. Um, I, <laughs> I like to think in my, in my head canon about Neuralink, about Tesla, about SpaceX, that Elon's asked him to do something heinous because in, in my mind, you know, we, we talked about last week with him doubling the amount of, satellites in low orbit around the earth that he is actually an evil genius. He's a villain. He's a mastermind. And he has asked this Max Hodak to do something so heinous that Hodak's principled character did not allow him to do. And he said, I can't do that. Are you kidding? That's 3 billion people. We can't just do that to them. And Elon says, well, if you're not on this ship, you better get off or you'll get gone. I don't know what I don't know how villains talk. I'm not a villain. I could be with this mustache though. Snidely whiplash, anyone? Uh two more pieces of tech news. 
Well, this isn't tech news as much as it is social media and online internet culture news. There is a Florida bill, and I, I believe it has already been signed into law, I'm not sure, that would find social media platforms for banning politicians. Now, of course, this is an obvious response to recent political bannings on a recent political social media uh, topics. Um, but there is an exception in here for Disney, which I found very, very strange. Um, what is it? What does it say? It is, uh, it is, uh, SB 7072, uh, that passed the house of representatives by a vote of 77 to 38, uh, this last Thursday. And you'll go back to the Senate to approve some changes. Uh, Senate's version calls for fines of $10,000 per day for banning a political candidate and a hundred thousand. If the candidate was running for election, the house version bumped the daily fines to 25,000 and 250,000. So this is the part that gets me. Um, no, it's not there. Uh, the, the law wouldn't apply to temporary social media bans on a candidate and wouldn't apply to instances where a platform removes specific posts that violate, uh, terms of service. That's not it. Okay. This is, this is what gets me here. Okay. The bill also contains a very Florida specific exemption for any quote information service system, internet search engine or access software provider operated by a company. Get this that owns and operates a theme park or large entertainment complex. Um, they said that the exemption was included so that Disney plus streaming service quote, isn't caught up in all of this. And I was talking to, um, Dustin's brother about this and it's funny because it feels like, yes, this is a result of a political thing that happened. However, they obviously don't want to interfere with their bread and butter. Disney, a huge presence in Florida, right? A huge reason for people to travel there. Um, but at the same time, it's like people that don't understand how technology works because there is no politicians writing on the social media platform of Disney plus there is uh, no, no way to have a forum or a thread or a discourse in the Disney plus app. It's simply for streaming movies. So it just feels like a lot of people, one, not wanting to uh, bite the hand that feeds, but then two, not really understanding about the technology in general. Uh, and the last bit of news that we have today, uh, is from Kotaku and, it's a, a fun little thing. I'm always obsessed when they build new giant mechanized warriors. And there is a giant Gundam statue that has just been finished in China. It is a life-sized one-to-one scale freedom Gundam uh, that has been completed in Shanghai. It is 59 feet tall and it went up in front of the Mitsui Shopping uh, Park Lala Port, Shanghai, Jingguao, uh, making this the first official giant Gundam to go up outside of Japan. I cannot wait until we get one in Alaska. Please, to the anime uh, aficionados, the otakus, and the Japanese people, and the government of Japan, please build a giant Gundam statue in Anchorage, Alaska. Can you do that for us? That would be, that would be just amazing. And that is all I have for tech news. 
And finally on the show today, I wanted to share some of the things that I've been playing and watching. Really haven't been playing a lot. Um, I downloaded probably four or five different single player, mostly indie titles on uh, the Xbox off of a game pass. And I'm very excited to try them out and let you know what I think of them. Uh, but all I've really played this last week has been Fortnite. I am, I'm in my mid seventies on this battle pass guys. I'm going to make a hundred. I'm going to get that final skin and I don't know, maybe, maybe do better than Dustin. I'm not sure. I think he's in mid seventies too. If I had to guess what I've been watching, uh, a new episode of Jujutsu Kaisen just came out on HBO max again for anyone not watching Jujutsu Kaisen. I highly recommend it. It's very good. I also just finished invincible last Friday and that's what we're doing our on today's episode about for the next seven weeks. So if you haven't caught that, go, go take a look at that show. But Invincible is crazy. Like, from the start to the finale. Like, the after credits of the very first episode. And then the whole goddamn thing on episode 8 was just amazing. But besides that, I have just been sitting here twiddling my thumbs and waiting patiently for Black Widow and Loki to be released. Thank you guys so much for joining me for the news. That is all we have for news and information today. Stay tuned for the Friday show tomorrow uh, on today's episode on Saturday, The Weekend Wire and Monday Madness with Anthony. Uh, make sure you leave us a review. You know, it helps us it inspire us to do that really good news sleuthing to get you all the right information for your news week. And so you can be the person in your social circle with all the answers. You can also get in contact with us at Facebook and Twitter at CultureJack. You can also send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Besides that, thank you for joining us here at the Culture Jack News Desk. I'm Archimedes Abigail. That's the news. And I'll see you next week.